Welcome to Worth It or Worthless, a show where every couple weeks we pull a game from my own personal collection of retro games, take off our nostalgia tinted glasses and decide, is the game good by today's standards and is it worth the price of admission? We talk about what the game does well, what the game doesn't do so well, and the things that are just plain weird. I'm your host Dan, joined as always by my friend Jordan. Jordan, what did we get into today? Today we played SSX Tricky for PS2. SSX Tricky is the timeless tale of EA Sports attempting to turn a hip-hop song into a snowboarding game. <laughs> that that's it that's all that's that's what this is just it's yeah i actually heard from a, a very reputable source that run dmc was like yo ea we have this song we think it would make a really good uh snowboarding game um you know have your people call our people and we'll make it happen you know what's interesting um this game i feel like while i i can't remember ever playing this game in the past before you know, doing this episode, uh, I feel like I distinctly remember the marketing and part of the reason why this game has sort of the legacy with people that it does is because of the run DMC song. Oh yeah. I definitely remember the commercials with the song in there and I never played this game as a kid, but I do remember hearing those commercials and being like, it's another snowboarding. There was a lot of snowboarding games, which is kind of surprising. Like for I don't think snowboarding is like as popular as skateboarding or whatever, but I feel like every system had a snowboarding game. Yeah, I don't know. I've um, there the snowboarding genre never quite had sort of a, a Tony Hawk's pro skater thing where I felt like it made like this giant cultural shift. No, of course not at all. Snowboarding also is a lot less accessible than skateboarding in front of your house. You can't really like yeah. just go out and <laughs> snowboard in front of your house. So it's kind of not really set up to be as, as big as skateboarding, I guess. No, but we had, you know, 1080 snowboarding and snowboard kids and the SSX series. And I feel like I remembered more or maybe I'm just like, I remember like going to a restaurant that was in our town. You know, remember like back in the day when like, shops and restaurants would have like little video game kiosks mm -hmm. and there was this uh restaurant in our town called bill naps i don't know if that was a local thing or like a <laughs> regional yeah, thing yeah but they always had some uh playstation snowboarding game there it might have been the first ssx game but uh, i'm just like why were there always snowboarding games well you had cool borders on the cool ps borders yeah yeah that's probably what it was um i remember slalom on the nes which is a skiing game uh yeah by actually i think rare made that game uh huh. it might i could be wrong but i think that game might be on rare replay <laughs> there's a lot of like weird little things you'd never heard of on rare replay yeah well i picked up this um my son always wants to play games with me now when he wakes up from his nap and he like comes out nice. of his room and he's like i want to play a game with daddy and so i went and picked up some retro games and uh one of the uh games that i picked up was a sesame street game on nes and it turns out that rare actually made it what <laughs> yeah they made some some uh, uh some sesame street games which is very strange well they were one of like the i learned this this week when we were posting something about battletoads and then we got into a discussion about was Rare, like, did they have a partnership with Nintendo, whatever? And I ended up diving into it and found out that Nintendo basically, like, waived the whole limit of the number of games you could make. And they let yeah. Rare oh, yeah. just, like, pump out a ton of games. So well, it makes sense. If Sesame Street wanted a game, they're like, well, Rare can get it done. Yeah, right. Uh, I think the thing with Nintendo was Nintendo became, like, a minority stakeholder 
in in Rare or a majority stakeholder. I can't remember, but I guess Nintendo bought a bunch of Rare stock or something. And so yeah, I don't know about that. The thing the thing that I saw said that Nintendo basically supported them as what they called a second party developer, where yeah. it's like they didn't like own them or run them, but they gave them a whole bunch of money and a whole bunch of leeway to just crank out games. Yeah, with exclusivity or some something to that effect. Yeah, but. Yeah. Anyways, uh, snowboarding games. They, I, I like, I like snowboarding games. Generally speaking, I feel like I can't necessarily say that. Oh, I love this particular one. But I feel like if you just were like, Dan, do you like snowboarding games? I'd be like, Yeah, I, I, I have fond memories of snowboarding games growing up. But yeah, we were a, a 1080 snowboarding family for N64. I remember playing 1080 at the kiosk at Target but never getting any good at it. And I want to, I don't have it. I almost bought it maybe like a month ago, oh. but like, I'm like, man, I want to get into 1080. Cause I remember it being fun. I think for our next time we do some sort of extreme sports focused, uh, we could take a look at 1080 cause that has come in a number of times on our bounty yeah. thing of like, what's your favorite extreme, extreme sports game. I think that one's come up at least three times. Huh? I'll have to, I'll have to pick it up. I am curious about it. But, um. Anyways, do you want to just dive into what uh, SSX Tricky did well? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's take a look. All right, what do you have? All right, for me, one of the most interesting things about this game actually does tie into the fact that this is like a snowboarding game mashed up with a hip-hop song like i thought that the way that they did like that sounds kind of ridiculous right but there is a really interesting bonus like meter system in this game where as you complete tricks and like you're building up this like special meter and when you have it full like no matter what song is playing like no matter what level you're on they like mash up the the tricky song like i'm not gonna try to sing it but like no matter like they'll slow it down or speed it up to match whatever song you're in and then they start like rapping and then you know like okay i've got like 20 seconds to pull off one of these special moves and i was just like i felt like it really pulled me into the game because you're like putting together these combos and it's not like oh uh, I think my special meter is full. It's like, you know, like you have achieved the full special meter and now you've got to pull off some of these big tricks before it runs out because like the full, like vi- the whole vibe of the game changes. And I thought that that was like really interesting and it pulled me in. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of points that I have that kind of touch on that. But what you're talking about is the equivalent of like in Tony Hawk, when your special meter gets full, it would go trick, 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 trick it. Like, yeah. and then you're able to do what are called Uber moves, which is you press, you know, we played the PS2 version. And so you've got the shoulder buttons, which are how you do all your tricks. And then if you hold one of the shoulder buttons for one second and then press square, they'll do this like really complicated trick. Uh, And it's how you kind of do your special moves. And if you do, I think it's six of them, uh, you get unlimited boost for the the rest of the race. Yeah. Which I feel like it's sort of a theoretical thing because I never even got close to <laughs> to landing six of them in a single race. But yeah, if you land six of them, it fills up. There's like a little meter that says tricky. And each time you land one, it like the T will fill in, then the R and so on. And once it's all filled up, then like you get extra speed and extra trick bonuses for like the rest of the level. But I like I beat this whole game and I never 
even got close to being able to do that. Maybe I just wasn't focusing enough on it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I was not able to pull that off. I think I did it once in one of the early like show off trick modes or whatever. I think I did it on like the very first level, but that was maybe one time that I was able to do it. On Garibaldi? <laughs> I think that's the name. I think the first level is called Garibaldi. I don't know. That could be yeah, totally wrong, yeah. but it sounds right in my head. Yeah. Uh, so th- the point that I kind of made with the with you saying like, oh, the tricky thing, um, I think transitions into this, this game has a ton of personality, just generally speaking. And I think that that's one of the things that the game really, really does well is all of the characters have a ton of personality. There's like cutscenes where they're talking to each other and, and each character feels kind of unique and they all have, I think all of their Uber moves are different between the different, um, the different borders and, uh, just overall, this game oozes a lot of like personality. Yeah, I, I thought that was really interesting too, coming out of playing the Tony Hawk games where you have the different skaters, but they don't really have, not in Tony Hawk 3 yet. I know later down the line, some of them recorded their own voice lines and stuff. But in, in the one that we just played in the last episode, uh, you know, you don't have that. And so like when each of these characters have their own um, like voice lines and their own like personalities and like all this stuff. Like it was, it really did feel, I don't know. It, it added an extra something that we didn't get in Tony Hawk. Yeah. And not only that, like there's an aggression system in this yeah. game, which is like, so the right analog stick, you can like try to knock people over and that will completely fill your tricky meter and your boost and everything like that. But the more you do it, the the more people are likely to like attack you and stuff. Yeah, and at so the beginning of every at the beginning of every race, they tell you like these guys are your friends, these guys are your enemies, and these ones are neutral. And it's all based on how nice you were to them in the previous races. Yeah, and there's like little dialogue, uh, little moments of dialogue when they pass you in races or when you pass them and stuff like that. They'll kind of talk to each other. And so it's not only just like you have these sort of almost larger than life characters, but there's also like a really interesting uh, way of getting their individual personalities inside of the game itself, which is really cool. Yeah, I I actually like was tripping myself out a little bit this weekend playing this game because I also I had pre-ordered this new switch game called Hot Shot Racers, which is like a 90s looking like Sega Virtua Racer. It's like a low poly 90s arcade racing game and it has a lot of the same things where like all the characters are not based on real people they're just like characters with their own personalities and uh their own like voice lines and everything and it was very similarly done to how they did it in here and i just i like i kept getting it confused like between the two games and, uh, <laughs> but it is interesting when they like infuse those personalities into these characters that would otherwise just be like models right yeah but when they each have their own voice lines and like you do get that like oh this guy's my friend this guy's my enemy like it adds an extra something to a game that could have been pretty shallow yeah yeah for sure uh, and not only uh, are there like a ton of characters, they all have individual personalities, but then with the circuit mode and everything like that, they all have their own stats and things that you can unlock new boards, new outfits, new everything. Um, and it really just, it, it takes the game to another level with all of the characters where it feels like you're kind of investing in each one and you're sort of over time improving their stats and everything. And I think it was just another Another way that the game was interesting to me. 
Yeah, I actually had the upgrade systems on my What the Game Does Well. You When you compete and you win uh, medals in either the racing mode or in the trick mode, there's two different modes, um, when you like do well in those, you get extra stat points, which you can then use to, you know, I think there was, was it four different categories? You had speed, stability, tricks, and edging, which I think is turning. Yeah. Um, so you could put your stat points into there and then, um, as you level up your guy, like it's different titles. Like you started as like a, a rookie or something. Yeah, yeah, and the yeah. highest one is master. And every time you unlock a new title, you get a new board, which comes with its own set of stat upgrades. And then you also have this uh, system where when you land different tricks, you, like fill out these pages in a trick book and every yep. time you fill out a page in the trick book then you unlock new outfits for your guy yeah so you have like all of these different upgrade systems going at the same time and you don't really have to like think about them too much the only one that i had to pay a little bit of attention to was um trying to land the specific tricks to um, fill out pages in the trick book and then unlock the costumes but i just thought like all the different upgrade systems were were simple enough to to you know to not have to like be too deep in the weeds on them, but they were complex enough to add those extra layers that gave the game more depth. Yeah, and uh, and about the trick book, uh, if you finish your trick book, you actually get like the best board, which buffs your stats a whole bunch. So there's oh. a nice incentive. I don't know if you actually did it, but no, I didn't quite get there. I uh, I I kind of peeked on Game Facts a little bit for like some tips on this game. And one of the, the the guides said to knock out the trick book as fast as possible because the stat boost that you get from the, the board is actually worth it. So it's not just cosmetic. You actually have incentive to do it. And it's not the easiest thing I spent, you know, probably, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour of just redoing the same like early race and like knocking yeah. out the, 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 each trick that I had to do. Cause you can pause the game and look at your current trick chapter and it'll tell you everything that you've done in it. And you have to complete five tricks in each chapter before it'll let you move on to the next chapter. But, uh, it was, it was another system that I found interesting in the game. Yeah. Definitely cool. Not something I've really seen. The trick book also gives you an opportunity to practice each trick. And they have multiple different ways. You can just like see what the combo is and then go down a little jump and try it. Or you can have the actual PlayStation controller on the screen and it'll show you in real time like how to push the buttons and in what order. And that was super helpful for like understanding how the control systems worked. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, the last, or one of the last things that I have that the game does well is that there's actually just a ton of content overall with all the characters. If you want to, uh, complete this game, you know, I don't know how many characters there are probably like, I don't know, a dozen or so. (laughs) Like, yeah, there's a lot here. And, uh, the, how long to beat median time for like a completionist was like 48 hours. So like if you Holy really cow. wanted to like go all in kind of like in the in the same way like Tony Hawk you could you know play through those games with every skater like if you wanted to do that here you'd be looking at like around a 50 hour experience before you unlocked everything and I think that that's one of the strengths of the game too is there's just a ton here. Yeah. Uh the last thing that stood out to me as like 
just a simple thing, but something that is so necessary and that like should be in every game like this is a lot of times in game like games like uh, Tony Hawk or an SSX Tricky, you can like mess up and end up like stuck in like a corner or like a weird place that you can't get out of. And this happened to me a bunch in this game. And like there was times when I like like timed out on levels or um like I had a medal, I had enough points to like get a medal in a trick competition, but I got like stuck somewhere and wasn't able to get down the mountain in time. And then I realized on accident, if you press the select button, it uh, like automatically warps you back onto the track. Yeah. And it'll take a little bit of your tricky meter away. So like you, you know, you don't want to use it um, willy nilly, but the fact that they had a button so you don't have to wait for like in Mario Kart for the little guy to come yeah. and pick you up and put you back on the track. Like if you realize like, oh crap, I messed up, I'm gonna be stuck. You just hit that select button and boom, you're right back on the track. And in race mode, that's a huge thing to mm-hmm. be able to not be wasting time, uh, you know, waiting for the game to realize that you're stuck and to get you free. Yeah, for sure. When I play these games, sometimes I'm like, I need to tell Jordan about this system so that he like is just aware <laughs> of it like right away. Because we played this one, you know, on our own. Um, and it was like a few notes in my head. I was like, I should tell him to fill out the trick book as soon as possible. And I should tell him that if he presses select, he can like reset himself on the track. And like, I never send you the text that I think that I should. And then it's funny to hear you talk about it. Like, well, I accidentally discovered this and it was really useful. I'm like, I definitely should have said something. So definitely should have, but it's okay. I figured it out. My my wife actually, um, this was her game when she was a kid. She she loved playing this, so uh, she gave me some tips, and uh, it was funny just to play a game that I had never played when I was a kid. But she kept walking by and uh, was just like getting to relive some of those memories. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wish that I had had a companion that had played this game before because I felt. Um, well, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> Uh, the last thing that I have that I think that the game did well is I feel like the soundtrack isn't amazing, but I feel like it serves the game really well for like getting in the zone. Cause like the, the races and these, uh, the trick competitions are kind of like, they take a little while. Sometimes they take like four to six minutes. And so you've got this like EDM soundtrack that really kind of helps you zone out and get into the flow of gameplay. And it's not like I'm going to be like hum- humming these EDM tracks, but like I felt like it really helped sort of set the, uh, set this game up for sort of the replayability or the, the flow state that you need to play it. They did a really good job of tying the soundtrack into what's happening on the screen. So I already mentioned how when you fill up your bonus meter, like it, whatever songs on will instantly get remixed with Tricky. But that's not the only thing. When you, anytime you hit like big air or you're doing like a big trick, the music kind of like slows down and gets like squashed. I don't know if they're like yeah. compressing it or something, but it like gets like almost like far away. And so you feel like you're like, whoa, I am way up in the air. Like I'm, I'm like time is slowed down almost, yeah. even though the game is still moving at the same speed. But like the way the music responds to what you're doing is just really good at immersing yourself in the game. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, that's that's kind of pretty much what I uh, further makes the point that I'm trying to make of like the soundtrack really serves this game in, in the best possible way. Yep, I agree. All right. Do you have anything else before we move on to what the game does not do well? Um, just really briefly, we kind of touched on it already, but the fact that you have both 
race modes and high score modes. So like, it's not like you have one mode that you're playing through and it's completely separate from the other mode, but when you pick a character and you're doing the world circuit, you can compete in the races and you can compete in the trick mode and both of those uh, give you points towards your stat boost. Yeah. So, um, like, I realized I was getting, like, kind of burned out doing the races. You have to do each race three heats, and that was, like, kind of getting on my nerves. And it's also just, like, the computers, like, bumping into you and getting you in your way. Like, I was feeling like I wasn't being able to master the controls. Mm-hmm. And then I switched over to the trick mode, and I only made it about halfway through on the race mode, but I ended up beating the game in trick mode. And um, just like having both of those modes to be able to take your stats and put them into your guy, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, yeah. I really liked the trick mode. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, I wasn't particularly good at it <laughs> for the most part, but I think it is another one of the things that the game does well that uh, it, it definitely it felt a lot less stressful than the races did. Yes, but for sure. Yeah, overall, I, I, it was probably my favorite experience that I had with SSX Tricky was like those first couple maps in the the, the show off mode is what it's called. Um, it's well, let's let's move on to what the game didn't do so well, so I can kind of open up a little bit with some of my experience with this game. For sure. Uh, so this game. I, I didn't, um, you said you basically beat it. I only got through like half of the maps and I found myself pretty frustrated a lot of the times with this game. Uh, I, I have, I have a few different like sort of hangups with it that I felt hold held me back. Like for example, did you ever hit invisible colliders that like made you fall over? Cause I, um, on multiple no. occasions, my my guy literally just fell over when I didn't touch anything. Oh, and I was like, "Cool, I'm like stressed out because I've try- I'm trying to like beat this map for like I don't know the twelfth time. Yeah. I've restarted this thing, and now it just feels like you're coming after me because uh, of invisible colliders. And it feels I feel like uh, well, a lot of my points are just. I was frustrated with this game and uh, the invisible colliders were one of them. Uh, The AI is very strange in this game. Like when you're doing really poorly, the pack doesn't get too far ahead of you, but when you're doing really well, you can almost never outrun the pack. No, it is a very uh, tight rubber band. They are always going to be near you. Uh, whether they're right in front of you or right behind you, it's always going to be a tight pack. That's that is correct. <laughs> I literally have some of the most obnoxious rubber banding I've experienced in quite a while, <laughs> 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 which plays into another point that I have is that if I feel like the game literally punishes punishes you if you don't take shortcuts, and so. As I was like playing this game, I'm going, I got to be missing something. So I started watching videos. I started looking online for tips. I started like, I'm like, this game, if you read the YouTube comments, everybody's like, oh man, my childhood, this game's amazing. I love this game. I played this game so much. Like there's so much positivity towards this game. So I was like, I'm missing something. And as I'm watching these people who are like legitimately good at this game, they're all taking shortcuts. And so I'm like, well, that the shortcuts some of them are obvious but some of them aren't uh 
And so yeah. like, yeah, you can win these races pretty easily if you know where the shortcuts are, but it's like, you have to really invest a lot of time, like learning where all these shortcuts are. And it's like, well, if you don't take shortcuts, you should still be able to win the races. But it feels like once you get to, I don't know, the fourth or fifth map in, it starts to become really, really hard to do well in these races because you just can't outrun the computer no matter how hard you try without taking these like really, you know, elaborate shortcuts. All right. So my biggest complaint with this game ties into that same thing and that I feel like the level design gets way too crazy, way too fast. Yeah. So the first couple levels are pretty straightforward. They're even probably those two levels are more intense than like the most intense level on 1080 snowboarding, which is like (laughs) my my base level experience, which is like. These are some actual mountain trails that you might go down if you were snowboarding. Yeah. In this one, you go from here's like a black diamond that you might go down on a huge mountain in Colorado as the first level to um, you're actually inside of a giant mechanical dome in Tokyo and there's like conveyor belts and uh, tubes and all of this insane stuff. And like it seems like you go to the crazy far end of wacky way too fast and i wish that there was more just like here's a mountain snowboard down it in those first couple levels you're right like they're a little bit more simple there's less of those uh like branching paths and uh shortcuts and all that but then you get about halfway through you know to level three four five and all of a sudden there's 15 different ways you can go and who knows which one's the shortcut and which one's the long way Mm. i actually fell into some holes and then like uh like wood would break and then all of a sudden i'm in like a secret area that was a shortcut and it's like you would never do that on purpose like i I, like i hit a wall and fell into a hole and now i'm ahead of everybody it says i'm in first place but i don't have any clue where i am yeah yeah the shortcuts are very weird but i realize like you have to use them to do well in this game. And it's like, that's a very strange game design decision because it's like, there's clearly this obvious path that the computer is taking. Like all of the AI is going on the main path and they're not taking shortcuts. Yeah. And so you should be able to just by doing well, outrun them, you know, if you're not screwing up, because sometimes they do fall on their face a lot, but just it just it was frustrating like i'm not bad at video games (laughs) but it's like when i can't advance in these races like i'm starting to ask a bunch of questions going like what is the deal here because it's like it it almost felt like even when i was playing well i still couldn't get ahead i'm like that doesn't seem right to me just i think that's why i gravitated more towards the show-off mode where i could just go down the mountain by myself do the tricks didn't have to worry about the branching paths. Just pick the one with the best ramps, and I had a good time with that. Yeah, and I thought, you know, well, maybe it's because my my stats are garbage. So I uh, I unlocked all stats with a cheat, which is nice. You know, the game has some ah. cheats where you can unlock everything, and I was like, all right, let me explore everything that this game has to offer as much as I've got time for. So I had a fully statted out character, and I still couldn't win the fourth race with a fully statted out character going on the main path. That's trying to funny. take some shortcuts but yeah i was like this is this is a problem and granted like i'll admit i'm not the best at this game and if i spent another 20 hours with it like yeah i'd probably be pretty good at it but like i shouldn't i just feel like you shouldn't have to spend 20 to 30 hours with a game to like <laughs> i don't know get through what 10 courses or something it's just i don't know it felt just very strange to me this kind of 
it kind of makes me think of modern racing games. Like I love Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. It's a fun game. Mm-hmm. But my biggest complaint about it is similar and it's like the levels are too crazy for their own good. Yeah. You go back and look at like the levels obviously in Super Mario Kart very basic, but even in like Mario Kart 64, the wackiest level that you got there is probably like the Yoshi Canyon uh, you know, where there's like a few branching paths, but then you get to Mario Kart 8 Deluxe and stuff's going upside down and there's all this insanity happening. And I feel like um, SSX Tricky, these maps are very much in that vein of like, uh, just like the further you go too, you get these like anti-gravity sections and there's yeah. just like big vents that are like, I it was just too much for me. Well, and one of the things that I saw in a lot of the high level play was like people were not a well they were like abusing the grind system like you can get i think faster top speed by grinding in this game than you can just by like boosting uh, unlike the snow and so i i have one of the things is like why does grinding on rails feel so wonky and then i'm like am i spoiled from tony hawk because that game like grinding is just super straightforward and simple whereas in this game it just felt so strange. And it was like, okay, well, I need to learn how to grind clearly because like, that's what I, all the pros are doing. But it's like, it just always, it never felt like my character wanted to do it. I'm like, why does this feel so bad to me? <laughs> yep. That's my second big complaint too, is is the controls. And that ties into what you're saying because they obviously try to do something very different than Tony Hawk. But mm. the place that Tony Hawk would have helped this a lot is having a dedicated grind button. So like yeah. in Tony Hawk, you ollie over rail. When you hit that grind button, it basically like snaps you to the rail. Right. Um, you still have to like balance to keep yourself on it, but getting onto it is simple. In this game, in SSX, there were so many times when like I would jump and just like fly past a rail and I would have loved to have that like little button that like snaps you to the rail and yeah, make me balance to stay on it, but like make it easier to get on them because there were so many times when I realized... There's so many of the shortcuts have to do with grinding mm-hmm. or taking these rails, yep. like you said, picking up speed. So just making it easier to get onto them. I felt like so many times I was like, oh, I'm sure that was cool, but I keep flying past it every time. Yeah. And like furthermore on the controls, the I guess the last couple complaints that I have are kind of control related. Uh, if you're so you hold, hold the X button to crouch on a jump. And so to spin in this game, you have to like hold down the X button, at least the I think the default control scheme is this way. I think you can change it, but you hold down the X button and then you press the D-pad to get ready to like spin and backflip. And then your left analog stick is still how you're like adjusting whether you move left or right. So if you're about yep. to you have to like line yourself up with a ramp and then take your thumb off the left analog and put it onto the D-pad. And then the one of the frustrating things with that is like if you don't release the X button and then you go off the ramp, like your character won't spin at all. So you're just doing like basic tricks that are worth like less points. So you have to like really make sure that you're trying to like let go of the X button at the right time. And like it, the the trick system and the jumping system and the controls here are just bizarre because like if you're not holding X to jump off of a ramp. Then the D-pad just controls like the left analog stick. Yep. So it's not like you can use like one or the other all the time. It's it's just this weird mixture of things. And I'm like, 
I don't know. I think that they're like the game has two control schemes. Like one of them's like a, a pro scheme where it, some it changes the system somehow. Like maybe you still turn when you're with the D pad when you're crouching or something. But the controls in this game just especially because like you mentioned like the grind button like there's there are unused buttons on the controller like they yep. could have easily put a grind button here and like fixed it but it just it 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 just feels not great to play the funny thing someone is someone who's never played it before the the main button that's unused is the button that you would use to grind in Tony Hawk. So like <laughs> it would it would have been that simple just to add it. Right, in. right. I don't think that the controls were terrible because I did get the hang of them and I started to understand it by the end. They're not terrible, but they're definitely not as refined as Tony Hawk, and they definitely didn't feel as good as Tony Hawk. Yeah, it's just weird because like the trick system is, you know, a combination of L1, L2, R1, R2. So if you press L2 yeah. and R1, that's a trick. And then you can press square to tweak it or like then L1, R2, like all four shoulder buttons. They all, it's a weird, it almost would have been better for them to go with like the Tony Hawk system of controls on this. But for sure. yeah, it just, it's, it felt unnatural to me. And uh, I want to like this game. I do. But it just it feels like I can't do the things that I want to do. I feel like it was probably extra hard for you as a person who's been playing the new remaster of Tony Hawk 1 and 2. Like yeah. where you've been like immersed in the Tony Hawk uh, control yeah. scheme for the last month between playing Tony Hawk 3 right, and right, then jumping right. into those games. Like for me, I got the hang of it and it was fine. It didn't feel as good, but I feel like it would have been extra hard for you, like playing a similar game and having a completely different control scheme. I mean, maybe. Uh, it's hard to to say whether or not it's like, oh, I've been playing Tony Hawk, so this game, the control scheme is getting in the way. Or, because I mean, generally, like, I don't have that difficult of a time adjusting from game to game, but there's just the snowboarding genre in general is kind of like a weird one because uh, maybe like three weeks ago before we did the Tony Hawk three episode, I was playing Sean Palmer's pro snowboarder, which was basically the snowboarding version of Tony Hawk and like the, the downhill nature of snowboarding. Like you can't necessarily go exactly where you want to go because of the physics and because like you're being pulled down a hill rather than you're on flatland and you can turn whatever you way you want. Uh, so I feel like maybe it's, it just comes with a territory of the genre being a little bit more difficult to control. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, I wanted to, to be better at this game than I was. Cause like, I don't know. I just feel like so many people like this game so much and I'm like, I'm missing something because there's way too much positivity about this game for me to <laughs> be having this bad of a time with it. The like the one place that you could maybe get that kind of Tony Hawk vibe, like in Tony Hawk, you can find a bowl or find a half pipe, and you can just throw together some incredible high scores by mm -hmm. you know doing big air combos. And in some of these levels, you did have the downhill half pipes, which is like an actual Olympic event. You have the half pipe, and they're able to get big air and do those kind of combos. But for some reason, even in the half pipe sections, the physics never really let me get like 
a good back and forth going where mm-hmm. I was able to yeah. get up enough air. The half pipes were completely worthless because I wasn't able to. They even put like little like boost things up there to say like, oh yeah, you should be able to go back and forth on this half pipe. I don't know if I was doing something wrong or I didn't have the right stats, but I was never able to get the kind of air that you would need to put together combos on those half pipes. Yeah, it's just overall this game... It's almost like, and maybe it's this is our fault for bringing expectations to it. But then again, that's kind of what we do with the show is we bring ex- modern expectations to these games. But um, yeah, there was just something about it where it was like, uh, this, this, this just, this could be better. This could be better. Yep. And it's like the the other thing that's crazy too is like I watched like this four million point run on one Holy of the cow. show off modes. I don't know if it was like a world record attempt or something, but like watching people break this game, it's like, how is that even possible? Like the yeah. grinding feels so garbage, but they're like doing it every single time. I'm like, clearly there's something, some way that I sh- I should be playing this game that I just don't understand. So I don't know. Like there's something here, but I just couldn't find it in the, I don't know. I probably spent eight to 10 hours with this game. So it's not like I was like, you know, it's not like I spent like two hours with it. It was like, this game's terrible. It was like, I actually gave it an honest effort. And like, then I brought it to you. Uh, after I had like rage quit it because I was like I just can't anymore I can't beat this <laughs> stupid fourth race like it got so annoying because you got to play the same race three times in a row and it feels like when you get to the third race all of a sudden they ramp up the AI even more they're like oh, we yeah. want you to succeed in the first two races but then we don't want you to succeed in the last race unless you're like really good and taking the shortcuts I'm like no I just I'm done I can't, I've, I've tried this 15 times I'm just I'm done I, that's I another reason anymore. That's another reason why I liked the show off mode. You just have to do each race one time or, you know, until you get the medal and then you can move on to the next one, even if you only got a bronze medal. So, well, even the one that I got stuck on with the show off mode, like I kept getting, I could see the finish line and it was literally like three or four times that I didn't get it because I missed it by like 10 seconds. So I was like, I was like, uh, uh, I just can't anymore. I just can't. I want, I want this game to be great, but that's funny. I just, I hit my wits end with it. All right, I got one last thing of what the game doesn't do well. And that was the camera angle when you are taking tight corners. Mm. Whenever, like, this game feels really good. Like, talk about, like, in our Sonic the Hedgehog episode, how you just want to go fast. There are times in this game, especially in show-off mode, when you don't have any AI bumping into you, where you're just flying through these corners and it feels good. But there are a bunch of, tight corners where for some reason on the tight corners instead of the camera zooming out it feels like it pulls in and all you can see is like a wall of ice and you're just hoping you're turning the right direction oh yeah 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 for sure i didn't love that didn't love no yeah it's like you just can't see where you're going at all (laughs) like yeah that was one of the things that it didn't i feel like i was too busy trying to just like (laughs) survive the entire game to really get hung up on the camera yeah Uh, and also that the fact that it it wouldn't have mattered anyways if i would have hit the turn perfectly because the ai is going to catch up regardless (laughs) (laughs) it kind of reminded me of uh the movie cool runnings remember the movie cool runnings with the jamaican bobsled team i i remember the movie cool runnings i can't tell you the last time i've watched it it's probably been over 20 years well, there's a there's a scene where I can't remember the main guy's name. I think it's 
Oh, I can't remember. I remember Sanka is the funny guy, but the main guy who is like the 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 guy who steers the the luge, he's in a bathtub and he's got like pictures of the course. You have to memorize every turn because you can't actually see where you're going. You just have to have it mm. timed out in your head. And so he's in the bathtub and he's got like a stopwatch and he's like timing the turns. And I feel like at some points you actually have to do that in this game, like have it memorized and just know when to go because you're not going to see it. Yeah, I feel like that's a big part of this game is just memorizing the courses. And like maybe that's why the AI is set up the way that it is and all the stuff is so that you actually gain mastery over each level. I just feel like it gets in the way of. And I mean, maybe Tony Hawk does this if you're not really like good at it. Like you you have to get these objectives to move on. But it, it even that feels a lot less frustrating because. Like you can look them up, but in this game you can't do anything about <laughs> the fact that you can't beat the AI unless you enter a cheat. So, I don't know. I don't All know. right, I think we can move on. All right. Uh, yeah. So, what would you what would you pay? for the experience that you had with SSX Tricky. So I personally actually had a good time with it. I wouldn't mind uh, trying to complete the rest of the races. I did finish all the show-off modes with the character that I chose, Moby. Shout out to Moby. Um, (laughs) I wouldn't actually mind going back after recording this and trying to finish the races. I didn't give up on them because I couldn't beat them. I just gave up on them because I wanted to try the other mode. And then I realized the other mode was a lot more fun. Yeah. So, uh... I, man, I could put some hours into this. Uh, I could see myself paying like 10 bucks for this. 10 bucks? Yeah, I could see that. Wow. You must have had a really good time. That's practically like $100 for you. Oh, I'm just like trying to, I'm trying to be less of a poopy pants, (laughs) as they say, as they say in the business. If you're a critic who's always saying, uh, you know, this game's only worth $2, then people are going to start calling you poopy pants. Yeah, there's a lot of people on the internet that often have a bi-weekly podcast where they say games are only worth $2. You're you're in good company there, Jordan. It's mostly <laughs> just me, and I'm trying, I'm trying to uh, adjust my mindset. <laughs> but yeah, I had a good time with this one. Yeah, uh, for me, my gut is telling me $10. Um, <laughs> which is hilarious because you didn't have a great time with it and you're coming up with the same number <laughs> well f- so you saying ten dollars is like a hundred me saying ten dollars yeah. <laughs> is basically like you saying two dollars there you go uh but i still like there's a part of me that has hope for ssx tricky like because th- literally i feel like every su- every video that i watched People are like nothing but positive about this game. And so I'm like, okay, sure. I have my preferences of games, but like when the, the reception of it is overwhelmingly positive, I'm like, I have, there's gotta be some way to play it that I'm missing. It's kind of like how I can have a blast with Tony Hawk after I saw my friend, Spinning like crazy and getting these like, you know, 400,000 point combos. I was like, oh, that's what you're supposed to do. Like, oh, okay. This game is way more fun now that I know how to like play it like a crazy person. Was I the friend that was getting 400 point, thousand point combos? Uh, No, you were the friend that was getting like 2000 point combos. 
maybe oh, like eight okay. eight thousand if you were really going off. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> but I feel like if I got to that place with SSX Tricky, where I like understood it, because like. You're going downhill. This game is constantly pulling you down a hill. But then when I watched that four million point run, the person was like going backwards up the course. And I'm like, How? that's not even physics. Like what in the world? Magic. The video game magic. Yeah, it felt like magic. And I was like, okay. So if I could get to that level where I like actually had proficiency and mastery and in, instead of like fighting the AI, I'm just like, oh, I know exactly where all the shortcuts are and I'm just going to go there. And I'm just gonna, you know, have have fun with this game because I I am through all the beginner like lack of understanding of it. You heard it here first, folks. If Dan can uh, get a four million point run instead of world record, then he will enjoy this game. <laughs> it's not even that. It's just if I had like a prayer of you know getting decent at it, I'd I'd take a million points. <laughs> <laughs> There was one course where I couldn't even hit the 225 gold, uh, 225,000 gold medal. Like I was just like, I could get the silver on it, but like, I don't know the way the course was set up was like, Dan, you, uh, you didn't make it to the second half of the, the show off mode where it becomes nearly impossible to get anything besides the bronze medal. I was just shooting for that bronze medal for the last half of those show off, uh, things. (laughs) <laughs> well, when I unlocked everything, I tried out a couple more of the uh, the show off modes that are later on, and yeah, they just seem like insane. But I'm sure yeah. that again, I'm sure like I'm just not good at this game. But I don't feel like it's all my fault. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, so what do you think this one's going for on eBay? Oh, uh, see, I don't have like. I was finally starting to get a good reference on what Nintendo and Super Nintendo games go for, and now all of a sudden we've done two PS2 games in a row, and I have no idea. I feel like again, like it's it's a disc, it's PS2, like it can't be worth that much. Uh, I'm gonna say like seven dollars. No, no. Ugh. For all of the the times I've been trying to tell you, Jordan, people really like this game. I know, but that doesn't mean it sells for a lot. Well, it sells for a lot. Well, based on the 4,000 PS2 games that are out there, it sells for a lot. I feel like the average PS2 game, you know, the American Choppers game probably doesn't go for a lot. But yeah, uh, this game going for about $18 on PS2. All right. Yeah. All right. Hmm. Uh, PAL version of the PS2 uh, going for about $12. So so not terrible. Oh, you know, PAL version. A little cheaper in the PAL PAL regions. They don't they don't like SSX Tricky as much apparently. Guess not. <laughs> uh, but you can get the Xbox version for like less than ten dollars according to price charting. There you go. Well, that's the way to do it because I'm sure they're pretty similar and it's much cheaper. I feel like I don't know how the trick system would work on the Xbox version because like the the original Xbox controller only had the two triggers. It didn't have like bumpers on it oh so maybe so, it even has a better control scheme yeah i feel like they would have had to they would have had to use those unused face buttons and i don't know that could have been Ooh. could have been interesting but be uh better yeah maybe the gamecube version jordan going for 20 dollars. the most expensive version of this game 
I can see that. I feel like GameCube stuff is always more expensive for some reason. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's par for the course now. With Everything on GameCube well, is just going to be more expensive guess, by default. Not for some reason, I guess, because it just was... Didn't, it just didn't have as many units out there, right? So it's more rare. Is that why it's more expensive? Um, I don't know why GameCube collecting has taken off the way that it has. I feel like... I don't know I don't know how many units the Xbox sold, but I feel like the GameCube was probably the loser of that generation as far as um Oh, it had to be. Just number of units sold. And so I don't know if there's like some like slight obscure uh love for it because it's slightly obscure or because it's the Nintendo console and Nintendo games are notoriously, you know, good. Yeah. Um because you know you got Smash, you got Super Mario Sunshine, you've got like, I don't know, you've got Nintendo doing their thing. So maybe there's a little bit more love out there for GameCube. If you're a huge GameCube fan or collector, please write us and let us know like what it is about that console that you like so much. Because it's just it doesn't really resonate with me as much. But Dan yeah. will get in a time machine, go back to your childhood, and tell your mom to return it for a PlayStation. The PlayStation 2 is definitely still a a better console than the GameCube, in my opinion and and experience, but that's a different conversation for a different day. Yep. But all right. Anyways, Jordan, uh, are you ready to move on to our bounty segment? We forgot to say the thing. We forgot to say the thing. Well, we don't want to say the thing. It's going to upset people. I feel like $18 is too much for me. I did like this game. I had a good time. But $18. Now, I would be interested in the Xbox version at $10. So I'll say worth it on the Xbox. Yeah, I got to say worthless uh, on the PS2 version at $18. I want to say worth it. I want to like this game. But based on my experience with, I don't know, 8 to 10 hours of it, $18 is a little bit steep for me. Uh yep. Yeah, $10 on the Xbox version, sure. If it's good, I don't know. I mean, it might be like the worst version of the game. The controls might be even worse on the Xbox version. You got the weird D-pad. It's not like, I don't know. The Xbox version could be be a giant mess. But if if it basically is the same as the PS2 version, then like, sure, $10 for the Xbox version seems worth it. All right, on to our bounty segment. All right, Jordan uh august is is finally over as we're recording this episode we have a winner for the the worth it or worthless uh self promotion celebration retron five yes we gave away who's our winner retron five who's our winner um so we had a whole bunch of entries and we do the same thing we always do where we ask siri to pick a number between you know one and the highest number of entries that we got and we gave siri that task and she went into the deep databases of her algorithm and (laughs) i don't have any clue how she decides what number to pull out but she pulled out number 22 and number 22 was our old friend shifish yeah congratulations shifish 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 so uh shifish I just want to point out has won two giveaways now based on sheer luck of the draw. Yeah. But I want to say this as an encouragement to all of you out there who are like, ah, man, I haven't entered in any of these. 
Um, somebody out here, Shifish, has already won too, and I just want to point out that he has also already submitted his bounty entry alongside a whole slew of other people for this much month's bounty, where we are giving away a copy of Tony Hawk One Plus Two. How do you say it? Is it one and uh, two? It's I think it's just Tony time. Hawk's Pro Skater One and Two Remastered. That's a mouthful. Yeah, yeah. But Dan has been playing it for the last few weeks and dan is it worth it is it a good prize uh well i'm making a a, a youtube review of it uh but f- uh, spoilers yes it's good yes uh worth it but you should still watch the video <laughs> to see why <laughs> yes you can check out the video when it drops for all of the the good little tidbits of why you should pick it up but if you're like man um, I don't want to spend my hard-earned cash. I want to spend uh, worth it or worthless is hard-earned cash. Yeah. You should enter into this month's bounty giveaway, and it's super easy, guys. This isn't like you had to like get on a plane or walk up a mountain or even snowboard down a mountain. All you have to do is send us a direct message on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or send us an email with your favorite extreme sports game. What's your favorite extreme sports game? That's all. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 Remastered. <laughs> yes. That oh that's your that's your favorite you're saying. Uh it, it, I don't know. It was it's certainly uh, no, probably not my favorite. Very good though. <laughs> Very good. Well, I don't think that you can enter. That seems unethical. Uh well, I already own the game, so <laughs> I don't know what I would do if I bought myself another copy of it. You could give uh, it away. Get Give it away. There you go. Perfect. Well, that <laughs> copy could be yours. You can benefit off your own entry and off of Dan's. So uh, send us a direct message on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at WIOW Podcast. And you can email us at worth it or worthless podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and one more thing, guys. Uh, we got a lot of bonus entries for the reviews from last month, and I just want to say thank you, guys. That means a lot to us, and it's it's amazing to hear that most of you <laughs> enjoy the show. Uh, and so I just want to uh, say thank you. We really do appreciate that. It means a lot. Yeah. It was awesome, guys. A, a big chunk of you decided to write a review, um, and you were honest with us. Some of you liked the show. Some of you didn't like the show. You still got an entry either way. Mm-hmm. I will say that Shiffish did bolster his chances with the bonus entry, although it wasn't his bonus entry that won it. It was his actual yeah. entry. Yeah. So to keep an eye out. We won't do a bonus entry every month. We're not doing one this month, but we might do them in the future. So keep an eye out for extra ways to win free stuff from us. Oh, yeah. Uh, A couple other little things. Uh, We released a bonus episode last week on Battletoads. So if you missed that or you want to hear us say nice things about the new Battletoads game, uh, you can check out that episode. Yes. uh, Uh, We we had fun playing Battletoads for once. It was amazing. Yeah, guys, we've played a lot of Battletoads games and it took us a long time, but we finally found one that's worth your time and your money. So go check it. it out. Yeah. Uh, other thing, the next episode to close out Extreme Sports Timber is going to be Excite Bike. So Excite Bike. Yeah. If you want to play that game before you know we release the episode and see if we're crazy or what you think about it, you just want to join us and tell us that we're crazy or you agree with us. Feel free to do that uh, because that'd be fun. I'd like to start having those conversations a little bit more. On social media, if you guys are playing the games with us and what you think on them uh, about every game too, yeah, Excite Bike. It's on the Nintendo Switch service, so you know everyone in the world's got access to it. And uh, <laughs> go, go give it a play. 
Yeah. Uh, Jordan, do you have anything else? Uh, we don't have any trivia this this episode, unfortunately. But do you have anything else uh, before we close out the show with our music segment? Um, just a, a little word of wisdom for all of you out there as we head into the fall. Always remember that he who plants a garden plants happiness. Is what... Um that sound is that from Parappa the Rapper? Uh, no, it's just a that's just a little tidbit, a little bit of life knowledge that I wanted to share with all you out there on the interverse. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, moving on. <laughs> if you guys make music, uh, let us know. We would love to feature it on the show. Um, we love hearing music. We love all different kinds of music. So, if you make music, let us know. And maybe you'll get featured on the show. And uh, maybe you can parlay that into a snowboard game in the future. <laughs> maybe. Uh, this week's music segment is an Animal Crossing track off of a really good Game Chops album called Chill Tendo that just came out this month. The track is 7 p.m. and it's by Jacoby. Jacobi? It's J O K A B I. I'm not sure how to spell or how to pronounce the guy's name, but uh, oh, Hakabi. <laughs> Yokabi is the is the J silent. I think so. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> actually, actually uh, the guy is Mikel's brother who wrote Poke and Chill and Zelda and Chill, uh, and those are both incredible as well. So I hope you guys really enjoy. And as with every episode, uh, if you like the music that you're hearing, segment break music, the end of the show music, uh, you can check out the podcast description to see what everything is and find the relevant links uh, to all that stuff if you want to go and deep dive more and support these artists because uh, we really like pretty much everything we play on the show. So I hope you do too. All right, guys. We will see you next time. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Jordan, say bye. 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 <laughs>